This is the sluggo. Slant and go. Georgia Tech, Florida State. If you're going to ruin this show by doing research, Notre Dame. My dentist is a Notre Dame grad. Definitely smells. Casey the Beef Creek, and my dentist is a Notre Dame graduate, but I haven't seen him in a while since the pandemic started. <laughs> Some things have fallen by the wayside, and I guess uh, my teeth are one of them. And, um, you know, 50-50 this year, he was probably really happy at the end of November, not so much after the ACC championship game. I know you have some Notre Dame fans too, uh, friends that are fans of Notre Dame. I've been seeing you pump a podcast recently. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I think he just went on a recent hiatus. But uh, my boy, (laughs) Falk. You can check him out at MJ Palk on Twitter, but he's on a Twitter Twitter hiatus for a little bit. But he was running a podcast called Five Foot Nothing, A Hundred and Nothing, because that's exactly who he is and what he is. And uh, But he's a real big Notre Dame fan. Dad went there really close with Digger Phelps, just a really good guy. He and I went at it a couple of years ago on uh, in the Twitterverse, um, but slowly but surely really started becoming friendly. And, and uh, not that I like Notre Dame anymore because of him, but he actually gives some reason. He's a reasonable fan, and, and he's very knowledgeable. So, uh, five foot nothing, hundred and nothing on Apple Podcasts, anywhere, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. Really good if you like Notre Dame or even have just an interest. He, he and I share the uh, preseason poll hatred. So his last episode was uh, a big diatribe. He was basically telling every what what I say normally uh, on his <laughs> podcast. So it's really good. Enjoy. Was it was it any any shorter than your version or? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he talks to himself for forty five minutes. But, uh, you know. You've been known to do also, right? That's that's very uh, true. Kevron's checking in. I assume you're in Cope, Kevron. Thanks for checking in. You're uh, I wouldn't say always first, but usually first in. Yeah, we appreciate comments. it. Hey, uh, Casey. You know, every time I seem to make little jokes about the weather in New Jersey. I I get in trouble for it because look what's headed my way Monday and Tuesday. Yikes. <laughs> and we don't have the equipment that you guys have, right? What you're yeah. wearing right there is like called winter gear in Texas, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the grocery store today and we stocked up because we don't plan on leaving the house for the weekend. Not like we've gone very far anyway, but, um, you know, uh, Sundays are our seventh. Anniversary, and oh. I was planning on, we were planning on hitting the Salt Lake and the barbecue and, and using turkey sauce and all that stuff. But uh, no, sorry, <laughs> we're gonna have to wait. We're gonna do something here until we can get out because we are Texans and two degrees and negative three or whatever that said that I threw up there. It's a bit much for us. So if I'm getting two degrees below and three degrees. I can't imagine what you're going to be getting. <laughs> yeah, we, we get it all, man. It, it's, I don't know, like the South gets the hurricanes. You guys have uh, tornadoes in that in that kind of Oklahoma Valley. Yeah. Like we, we get every piece of snow here in New Jersey. It's just, if it's going to snow, it, it's going to hit New Jersey. It doesn't necessarily have to hit New York City, which is right there, uh, or Long Island, which is right below it, but it always seems to hit New Jersey. It's It's brutal. Um, you say we have the equipment. Yeah, a little bit. However, not at my house. Um, so. 
we're slipping and sliding on snow. We, we've shoveled so much in this house. I've been to the chiropractor twice since. Oh. Uh, just trying to get adjusted, man. There's a lot of snow here. Well, by equipment, I meant you got sliders. Plows. <laughs> you got sliders, equipment in, in training, equipment in training. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's funny because we looked at the first time we looked at that, we saw 15 degrees. And then we said, oh, that's cold. Then it went to 10. We're like, wow, my wife looked at it earlier. Now it's negative two. I'm scared to look at the thing anymore because uh, that's dangerous. Now, the coldest I've ever been. Hang in there with us, folks. We've got Jason Priester from allclemson.com coming. But he's, for some reason, he's doing a show that, you know, pays him money right now. So he'll be joining us soon. So hang in there while Casey and I talk weather like uh, whatever. <laughs> Um, the coldest I've ever been two times. One of them was in the the tor- what they call Tornado Alley up in uh, central up in uh, North Texas by Oklahoma border. Zero degrees, nineteen below zero. That's when I was in the Air Force at Shepherd Air Force Base. The other time was uh, a Super Bowl Sunday at Clemson. Actually, it's very similar. Zero and nineteen below zero. We were going to a Super Bowl party across campus. Me and my roommate we walked out the door and the wind hit us in the face. Two boys from South Carolina, and we said, screw this. <laughs> and we immediately turned around and went back inside and watched it on uh, on the TV. And look, look who's checking in here. <laughs> Patrice and Justin, I don't, you notice Casey's cap, but did you notice my, I can't even point the right way. How do I do it? <laughs> my Blood Mountain uh, shirt, and I was showing beef before, Blood Mountain from the, uh, Appalachian Trail, and I've had this shirt for 20 years. I hiked it in 1999. On the back, it lists every mountain on the trail from Maine to Georgia. Um, now, I didn't go from Maine to Georgia. I went from Georgia to another part of Georgia, <laughs> but <laughs> that's beside the point. So um, what's your shirt, Casey? It's good to see the Levines, and, and actually, Justin got me this hat, so uh, we kind of share the beef oh. moniker. He, we call him Little Beef because he's hundred and uh, five foot nothing, a hundred and nothing. So, uh, he but he got me he got me this uh, he got me this hat, and this shirt is also a uh, loyal listener, Dennis Finnerty there in Jamestown, New York, got me a Jamestown tarp skunks. They are part of the Perfect Game Collegiate Baseball League, kind of I guess a. a competitor of the Cape Cod League. There's a lot of those jumping up and around the country. Um, but Perfect Game's a big, big college baseball, a big youth baseball um, series. And so they have a college league. The Jamestown Jammers used to be an affiliate for the Mets forever. I guess they, that stadium um, kind of went went vacant for a couple of years, and they picked up the tarp skunks. So Finn sent me a, a shirt, and I appreciate it. Another Clemson guy. Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, I told uh, Mr. Priester we were going if he wasn't able to join us uh, somewhere near the beginning, we'd go ahead and get started without him. He said, "Well, awesome. I hope you do." Um, so uh, we'll go ahead and get started and let uh, Jason chime in when he's able to join us. He said they're Perfect. usually done by this time, but we'll rock on. Okay, let's start off with uh, why don't we talk about this first transfer portal? I had just written an article for the College Sports Blog, right? College with the K. I said, I think Clemson's pretty much done with the transfer portal. Well, <laughs> well, well, well. The very next day, or maybe it was the same day, a couple hours later, we find out that Lee Anthony Williams has entered the transfer portal. So 
And there's Mr. Priester. Perfect timing. Uh, we'll bring him in, Jason Priester. Good, because this is a question that I had for him. So yeah, <laughs> I, was actually, I was actually listening. So when I heard my name, I just went right on in. Uh, perfect. perfect, perfect. I was just starting to talk about the transfer portal. How I spent hours and hours writing that blog post yesterday, talking about how Clemson's pretty much done with the transfer portal. Then we get news. Uh, Lee Anthony Williams is uh, making taking his opportunity for the transfer portal. One of the things people told me when you share concerns about the defensive backs, uh, as we saw at the end of last year, was that well, that's a position where you need experience and growing pains, and all these guys are going to come back and they're going to be better next year, which I fully believe. But does this hurt the depth for Clemson? I mean, obviously, right? Am I? Is that too simple to say? This is a big a big blow or a medium blow or not a blow? What do you think, Jason? I don't think it's that big of a blow. Um, we're talking about – I mean, he was this, – this, this was a guy, he was a top consensus top 50 – top 250 guy, I think, when, when he first came in back in 2017. And for whatever reason, it's just not worked out for him on the field. He keeps getting passed by on the depth chart. I don't think that was going to change next year. Um, you got one guy going out one guy coming in, so the depth remains about the same. Played 119 snaps, I think, last season. And, and if I had to put money on it, I think he would have played less snaps next year. So I, I really don't think that it's going to hurt the depth that much. I hate – I mean, I hate saying that because by all accounts, the guy's – he, he's a really good kid. He's 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 been bought in fully to the program. You know, I think he just wants to play, and he knows if he wants to play, he's going to have to go somewhere else. And I think that's what this is. Yeah, I usually use you to to, to uh, talk me off the ledge. So I always, when I see that, I go immediately to allclemson.com or, or just look on the Facebook page to get your comment on it. And and, and right off, I guess I saw it pretty early. I didn't see anything, and I, and I thought the same thing. It just seems like I know Mike Jones had a lot of snaps, so you, you lost him, but you, but you could see the depth at linebacker behind him and the fact that he was losing snaps. And as you said earlier today, they – you have, there's rumors that they may go more four two fives that he's losing even more snaps. Um, so like I'm, I'm okay with losing that one. Then uh, Jordan Williams at the tackle. I mean that was you said it. Those three names that that are right behind him. But this one I was like, oh, we got a DB because that's been my <laughs> big that's been my big bugaboo forever. So I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, I, I just I I don't know. I just don't think it's going to be that big of a deal. Um, if he was looking at that much playing time next year, I think he'd have stayed right where he was at. Well, and speaking of transfers, it'll be intriguing to see where uh, where he ends up because now we we found out today that Mike Jones, uh, who announced his transfer a couple of weeks back, is going to go to LSU. Thoughts mm-hmm. on that, Jason? I think that's going to be a pretty good fit. I think LSU was in need of some linebackers. And um, I had read a couple of weeks ago that they were probably going to have to find one or two in the transfer portal. So that might end up being a good spot for him. It might, you know, good time and never hurts, man. And I think I think that might play, in, play into um, that with him. I think that's going to be a good fit for him there. He'll probably see the field a lot. All right. Casey, any comment on the Tiger to Tiger transfer? No, I, I thought the same thing. I said that's a smart move there. You know, yeah, two uh, two years ago he doesn't fit. This uh, year he fits perfect in that system down there. So I think timing, a lot of playing. Yeah, timing could be everything. Good for him. Um, 
I'm glad he's he's found somewhere he wants to play again. Heard nothing but good things about him and and wishing the best. If he's not happy at Clemson for whatever reason, um, good for him to find somewhere where he's more comfortable. Seems like he's going to find some playing time for a big time school and obviously get uh, a ton of pub and and LSU puts plenty of guys in the league. So uh, good for Mike Jones. All right, Mr. Priester. A couple months ago, you promised me a quarterback in the 2022 <laughs> class. That's a little inside joke, folks. You really didn't promise me. <laughs> uh, so we've been going back and forth between Ty, Ty Simpson of Martin, Tennessee, Kate Klubnick of Westlake in my area in Austin. A um, couple things have happened since we last chatted about it. Uh, uh, A&M, Texas A&M signed the number two quarterback, uh, number two dual threat, Connor Wigman. I said he signed. He committed to A&M. So it appears A&M's out of the 2022 market. I don't know how much that affects Simpson. I think he kind of had Texas A&M in, in the mix maybe a little bit. But it does affect Klubnik because both of his parents went to A&M. He's obviously from Texas. His home stadium, as I've said the last couple of weeks, his high school stadium, seven miles from the University of Texas's campus, same high school as Drew Brees and Nick Foles and Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger. Um, so it seems like I'm reading the tea leaves, and I always I can't read tea leaves very well. I can't read anything very well, but especially in recruiting tea leaves. It seems like the Clemson staff is is holding off on offering Klubnik until Simpson makes his decision, which is next Friday the 19th. Am I reading that correctly, or am I totally off base? Well, me and you's reading it exactly the same. <laughs> so if um if you're wrong, I'm wrong too. I think that's exactly what's playing out here. And um, I hate to say it, but I don't think Clemson is going to get his offer because I think Simpson's going to commit to Clemson. But um, yeah, okay, I'm calling. Well, I'm calling it right now, Simpson. Well, I will awesome. just. Just so you know, I'm going to snip that out of here, <laughs> and it will be on Twitter and, uh, and Only if it happens. <laughs> Only if it happens. Um, I don't have it. You know, I, that's just – Yeah. I, 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 that's just some, that's just what I think anyways. You know, in my opinion, don't mean much. But um, I I know Klubnik wants an offer from Clemson. I've talked to him a couple of times, and, and I know it would mean the world for him to him to get one, but I just don't, I just don't think he's going to get one this year. I think it, I think Simpson's going to commit and Clemson's going to be done with quarterback this cycle fairly early. They're going to have their man locked up. He, and I think he's been at the top of their board, you know, pretty much the whole way. That's, that's fantastic that they're going to do I mean, it just seems now like that's the system that they're doing, you know, yeah. it just seems like they got, they it's got like Trevor early. Team, man, this just yeah. keeps rolling and rolling and rolling and it don't hit there's very few bumps in the road. I think it just, it just keeps running. Well, I'm going to surprise both of you here, but I did a little research and um, I was looking into, I think there's been some commentary about is, is Simpson actually a franchise I say franchise, it's an NFL term, but a franchise quarterback, or is he just another guy or a very good quarterback? Guess what I found out, fellas? He's ranked 42nd overall uh, by 247. Guess what other random quarterback was ranked 42nd overall by 247? Deshaun Watson. Yeah. (laughs) They're exactly the same rating now. Deshaun was the number one dual threat, and Simpson is number two. So there's a, you know, a little bit of, 
difference there. But Simpson actually has the higher rating. I mean, it's very, very close. We're talking thousands of points there on the 247 system. But he's actually rated higher than Deshaun was coming out of uh, out of high school. So I don't know. You know, asking him to live up to Deshaun Watson is a little bit much, you know. Um, but I'm just saying potential is there. So I don't know, uh, Jason, have you watched any film of him? And what's your take on Ty Simpson? I think I think asking if he is a an elite generational type guy, I think that's a fair question to ask. And I'm not sure that he is that. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to live up to the standards that guys like Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence have set. There are even, you know, Taj Boyd, you know, that they set they set the bar pretty high, man. They they put up video game like numbers. But I think Simpson definitely is really good. I think he's got a high ceiling. And most importantly, you know, I think the Clemson coaching staff has you know, earn that trust. And they, I think they know their guy when they see him. And I think for the most part, Simpson's been that their guy for this cycle. And, and to me, that's pretty telling in and of itself right there. Yeah. Casey, I, any thoughts? No, I, I, I haven't seen much of them, um, but I've just been reading about them. And, and the fact that with Tennessee and their turnover in coaching, uh, I believe Alabama's already got one of their guys. And those are the, really the two that were, uh, in the mix with Clemson. So I think those tea leaves that you both are reading, it just feels like, and on the surface that, well, there's a third team in the mix and that's Clemson. So, um, and they've pinpointed him as the guy. So I, I, I don't know if they need him to be the next Deshaun Watson or the next Trevor Lawrence with all the talent that they have coming in. If he's a serviceable quarterback, look at what Alabama's doing. Um, yes, Mac Jones was good this year, but I mean, they won with Greg McElroy. They won with Jake Coker, you know, a serviceable quarterback in a system could be fine. We've been nothing but short of uh, spoiled rotten with the quarterbacks that Clemson's had from um, Taj Boyd on. Uh, so maybe, maybe you can take like that half step down and just feed the playmakers. And obviously they're seeing something on film uh, that they like to keep yeah, that train rolling. I think that right now as we sit here currently, a half step down might be exactly how I would describe it. I don't think it's a full step down. I don't think he's way below these other two guys. I, I think he's right there. He's not quite there with them. He's just just a half step below maybe at this point in time. That could change. I, I'm I'm like y'all. I've seen a little bit of him, not a lot. So, I mean, I, I, I can't really consider myself a Ty Simpson expert as far as what he does on the field and his mechanics and all that stuff but um i know what i've read and, and i so far i like what i've heard good deal yeah and casey made a great point i don't say that often but you made a great point casey in that it's a different team than the one deshaun watson joined right uh Very were, so. yeah there were holes in that team that we tried to ignore but they showed up um occasionally so and this team is much more well-rounded and if the wide receivers can stay healthy in Gata and Ladson in particular and some of the younger guys can develop there's an opportunity uh to have a, a really really good receiving core next year uh with and of course they'll have a year to to a year or two behind DJ so um that's good news all right, the other news, uh, I guess Clemson target Jaleel Skinner out of Greer listed Florida as a favorite. That's what I saw. 
Is that surprising you to is that surprising to you, Jason? And or is that for real or is that just one of those things recruits do, you know, to throw people off the scent or play the game, or is it for real in your opinion? I'm not sure. I, I could see it being either or. Um it was a little surprising to me too. And 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 these days, you know, with these guys, you don't never know. They they might be trying to play the game, as you say, they might be trying to get an offer from somebody else or whatever. I'm not saying that's what he's trying to do just in general. But, um, yeah, I was a little surprised by that. But um, I think Clemson's still very much in it on him. And um, I, I was surprised that Florida – he has said Florida was his leader. But reading between the tea leaves, as you say, <laughs> it's, it, it's hard to – it's hard to with him. Um, I, I, I'm not – I can't say one way or the other at this point. See, I think it makes sense for him because what did he see last year? He's a tight end. He's a big tight end. What did Florida have? Kyle Pitts. They used him all the time. He had 47 touchdowns in the first game that he played. I mean, that that's attractive to someone who I'm sure as a high school kid says, I'm, I'm better than Kyle Pitts and I'm, I could go down there. You know, and you look at clips and you see Braden Galloway and um, the other one. <laughs> Davis <laughs> Allen. Davis Allen. Thank you. I knew he had two last names. Um you know, they didn't, they used him a couple here and there, but he, they weren't the main focus. So I can see that when he, when he mentioned Florida as his leader, like it made a little bit of sense at this point. And we'll they, they the, the Florida does feature the tight end a little bit more than Clemson does. And Clemson just signed the number one tight end in the country. So, I mean, that's another thing you got to keep in mind too, you know, who, who's going to be in front of him when he gets there and how, you know, how long is he looking at sitting on the bench before he can get on the field and all that kind of stuff. Still, still a good little ways to go with him, so we'll see. Well, who's, who's in front of him at Florida, right? Isn't that where uh, Eric Gilbert from LSU transferred to Florida? Yeah, that is right. Gilbert did just – that is right. I forgot about that until you just But said. you have to block at Clemson. Uh, yeah. I didn't see much blocking from Pitts this past year at Florida, so. <laughs> if you don't block, you're not going to stay on the field long at Clemson, that's for yeah. sure. Well, and one thing about it, you know, I – Davis Allen is always open, or at least it appears to be. Now, maybe he only plays a handful of plays a game, but that guy is never covered. I don't think I've seen him covered once, uh, no matter who they play, because that little that little play they have with him over the middle that they they score on, it seems like every every time they throw the <laughs> ball to it. So, yeah. um, I would definitely like to see the tight ends featured a little bit more in the Clemson offense. You know, I thought we were going to see it this year, and, and we did see it a little bit more. You know, you if you if you look at the numbers combined from Galloway and Allen, they, they probably had more catches and more yards than what it might appear on the surface since it was two of those guys splitting time. But um, I would like to see the tight end start to be featured a little bit more in the offense because I think the Clemson offense is at its best when it's using the tight ends and using them consistently and using them down the field. Absolutely. No question about it. And we were definitely, once again, spoiled with uh, Jordan Leggett a few years ago who was – absolutely a weapon for Watson. So maybe going yeah, forward, we'll see. We, we were spoiled. You know, we Clemson had several good tight ends there. Dwayne you know, Allen. Yeah, Dwayne Allen. And, I mean, even before that, they had Michael Palmer. I mean, they, they had a bunch of tight ends they used there. Brandon and then after – Le- Yeah, Ford. That's who I was trying to think of, and I couldn't think of his name. Sorry Thank about that. But No, help me. After, after Leggett left, you know, then, you know, they didn't really have anybody. I think it was two or three – let's see, six, three years, you know. And it was three years they went without – being able to use the tight end as much, and we finally started seeing a little bit of it again last year. Hopefully, we'll see more of it in 2021. Okay, uh, Jason, we um, 
I was watching your your show, the allclemson.com show uh, that you guys put out also, and I enjoyed the segment so much I decided to steal it. You uh, <laughs> you and Brad and, and Zach were, were going around a little bit of a debate. Now, I had big, giant plans for this. I had a whole production in my mind. We're going to have Socrates and Plato, and we're going to have all this, and I have music behind it, and somehow leading to the great debates. Then guess what? My day job got in the way. Um, I understand that. <laughs> it was a big old pain today. I got 40-year-old people acting like they're in high school, and uh, so I didn't get to it. But I want to do a little debate with you guys, and it's around uh, similar to one of the questions you guys worked out over there on allclemson.com or talked about, and that was transfer portal and Clemson's use of it. Should they use the transfer portal or should Clemson not use the transfer portal or somewhere in between? I'll let you as the guest go first. Your take on Clemson in the transfer portal. I think that Clemson needs to use the transfer portal when they need to use it. I, I don't think – I think that – just saying, no, we're not taking transfers. You can't do that. I mean, not not in today's game anyways. Like we saw today with Williams leaving and Mike Jones leaving. When you start having guys leave unexpectedly and you, you, you have holes you have to fill immediately, you can't wait to the next recruiting cycle to bring another guy in, especially a guy – if you lose a guy that's got three, four years' experience, you can't replace that with a freshman. Um, but I think Clemson's also got to be very careful about how they use it. I don't think they can just go out and actively recruit the transfer portal just because that an elite level guy, like let's say an Arik Gilbert has entered the portal. I think you got to be real careful there because I think a, a big part of what Clemson sells their recruits on is the fact that they're not going to go out and just pluck somebody out the transfer portal to come in and take their spot just because they can. So I think it's a fine line they got to walk with that thing, man. But I, I think we're eventually going to see Dabo and, and the, coaches have to have to go to it they're, they're not they're not going to have any choice Casey yeah I'm, I'm in this isn't much of a debate when you're in pretty much full agreement with the guy but uh I agree too obviously they they did something they're they're thinking about it right when they demoted um Danny Pierman to that position that he's obviously doing something but but I agree unlike Florida State where they just grabbed everybody and anybody that was in the portal this year to you don't even know who, what they're going to be next year because there's so many guys that they grabbed out of the portal I don't think Clemson has to be that and and that's another uh, rich you know spoils of the riches because you, you may have to have a plug and play if you have an unexpected guy leave at the end but you do hope that you're bringing these guys along. Um, and, and getting them experience on the practice field, and you want you want to have your own guys. I understand it, but at some point, it may become a necessity. Thankfully, it hasn't really been in the last couple of years, but at some point, it's going to be because as long as Clemson stays on top or towards the top, they're going to lose guys because because yes. they're recruiting guys to take that next guy's job. So, right. um, at some point, if they're if they're smart about it, and, and They've earned that right, right? They've earned that trust and, and respect, too, from the fan base that they're probably going to be doing it the right way. Yeah, I agree. Totally. Okay, I'm going to play a little bit of the devil's advocate. we got to have somebody disagree, or as Casey said, it's not much of a debate, right? <laughs> there are several things we as Clemson fans and people who attended school like to think that Clemson is different for a lot of reasons. Running on the field after the game uh, back when before COVID. Um, 
the players Clemson recruits or maybe even more than that, the players Clemson doesn't recruit, right? There's players that they just top 50 players that they don't even try and recruit because they're not a, quote, fit for the culture. I think something that makes Clemson unique is the atmosphere, the family atmosphere around the program draws in a lot of players. I think, as Jason said, it's a fine line, right? You're bringing in somebody who's left somewhere else for some reason. Maybe it's just playing time. Maybe it's not. But you're bringing in someone who's going to potentially take the place of somebody else you recruited and told, hey, you can play here at Clemson. So by virtue of bringing in somebody who you didn't recruit or who didn't accept the offer to start with, I'm wondering if there's going to be a little, um, I don't know what the right word is, a little angst in the locker room. Uh, you know, if I have a bad season and I'm Darion Kendrick, are they going to just go out and get somebody out of the transfer portal because they need defensive backs? And how do you sell the next recruit on this family atmosphere if you're pulling in guys from everywhere whenever you think you need them? You're not maybe perhaps not giving guys a chance to develop. But I think more than that, for me, it's just the overall culture of Clemson. When you think Clemson, you don't think big-time college football live and die like Ohio State or uh, Georgia or Alabama that will do anything to win. You think winning, doing it the right way, maybe the transfer pool is the right way. I'm just saying you're taking – if you decide to do it, you're taking a huge risk with the culture you've worked a decade to build. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean by you got to walk a fine line with it. You got to pick and choose where you're going to use it, and you got to be real careful about it. Um, because like you said, I I think they have spent a ton of time, effort, and money building this brand, the Clemson brand. Call it the power of the Paul. Call it the culture. Call it whatever you want to call it. But there has been a ton put into building it up. And and it, it won't take near as long to tarnish that reputation that they've spent so much time building. So I think you got to be real careful about how you use it. No doubt about that. Yeah, I wonder if they're actually going to use it at, to get a starter. Obviously, if there's a huge stud out there that you need and you have a, a need for it. But I wonder, knowing how Dabo recruits and how that whole staff recruits and, and the family atmosphere, I, I wonder if they're going to get a guy to play behind somebody. You know, they're not going to go out and get an Eric Gilbert because they have a Jake Brinning school coming. They have Braden Galloway. They have Davis Allen. They're not going to just go out because this is a huge splash and a big name. Maybe it's get a guy that kind of like Brownell does, you know, he goes and gets a guy from Fordham and you, and you're like, really Fordham to play ACC basketball. And then, you know, he's great. So maybe it's, maybe, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch if it does happen to see how it, how it unfolds. Okay, uh, John Chancy uh, in the comments has a question. Devil's advocate, what's the difference? What difference is there between recruiting high schoolers who can take your job versus transfers that can take your job? Well, number one for me would be that the transfers, by definition, are college players are more developed and more likely to take your job than a true freshman. That's not always the case. As we saw, Deshaun came in and uh, took someone's job, as Trevor Lawrence did, right? But Maybe it's perception, right? Maybe it's just perception. Colleges are expected to take high schoolers. You got to do that anyway. You have to do that to replenish your your uh, roster. 
but you're not expected or required naturally to, to take a transfer who you think can fill a need right away. Casey made a point. Maybe they're not recruiting them to the starters. Maybe it's for depth. But what transfer that's worth the effort is going to want to come and say, be the third string cornerback. I just, to me, if you're recruiting a transfer, you're recruiting him to start or potentially start. Jason, I cut you off. You were about to say something. How many times have you heard Dabo Sweeney say, bloom where you are planted? I think exactly. that's a that's a big part of the culture inside of that program. It's a big selling point that they sell recruits on the um, recruiting trail. You start bringing in transfers, just take those kids' jobs, especially if we're talking about a guy like Arik Gilbert again. You know, you go bring him in two weeks after you just signed Jake Brenning's stool. I mean, and then you got to go back to Brenning's stool and say, oops, I'm sorry. You know, I know we told you so-and-so a month ago, and, and, but now we changed our minds. We're sorry. And he's locked in. There's nothing he can do except transfer and pro- he'll have to sit out a year whatever you know i mean i just think there's a fine line you got to walk and i think this coaching staff in particular would much rather recruit kids out of high school than recruit kids who have left a college program already that's just my opinion i think i think we all three agree on that for uh for for the great debate the first one it wasn't uh Weren't too many fireworks there in that great debate but uh, a little bit we got a little bit of discussion out i think we're all on the same page yeah but John yeah. brought up a great point. With I mean, there isn't no, a it, difference. It's an optics thing, really, right? Is, I mean, I understand exactly what he's saying. Um, he makes a very valid point. I think it's all about perceptions, and it's all about what you're selling recruits on that you're trying to talk into coming to play for you, or tell you know, sell their parents on the fact that you know, let your kid come stay with me. Trust me with your kid the next three, four years. You know, I mean, it's all about perception yeah. and optics. Oops, and, I'm going to go get somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> well, and for instance, let's use an example right on the team, Nolan Turner. It took him years to develop, and now we're all worried that he wouldn't come in back, <laughs> you know? So if this was three years ago, maybe Nolan Turner doesn't get the chance. Now, that's a little bit different scenario because Dabo's, uh, <laughs> Dabo's closer to that family, but you get my point, right? Somebody like Nolan Turner would not get the chance to develop. And I know there are people out there saying, well, that's fine. Good. We'd have somebody theoretically better than Nolan Turner. But all I know is when there was a question whether Nolan Turner was coming back next year, there were a lot of people wearing Clemson arms that were worried that he wasn't going to be back. Casey Guilty. Casey the Beef Creek in his one. Guilty. <laughs> all right. Here we go. Let's, uh, Jason, uh, I saw you tweet the other day that you did a double or a triple header. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe you uh, did a double no. header. But you have done a triple header where you got all three sports in the same day. So we wanted to talk Clemson baseball. Casey has a back of an envelope full of questions for you. I have very simple questions because I haven't even started uh, looking at baseball and thinking about baseball. But before Casey gets to his specific questions, give me a big picture. What are we expecting from this team this year, the Clemson baseball team? What is the ceiling and what is the floor? Just kind of in general terms. Um, I'm expecting dominant pitching. I think this is Monty Lee's best pitching staff, most talented and deepest. Um, there is a ton of power arms on this team and elite power arms. 
I think this I think this has the potential to be one of the best pitching staffs top to bottom in the country. And and I don't I'm not just throwing that out there. I fully believe it. And, and I'm a big I'm I'm more I'm probably more of a baseball guy than I am a football guy. I love baseball. I love college baseball. There's a lot of days I'd rather be sitting in Doug's Kingsmore than Little John or Death Valley. I mean, I'm just a baseball guy at heart. And um, but I I, re- I think the I think the ceiling for this team, if it all comes together, could be a trip to Omaha. I think the pitching is that good. And I think the the floor for this team, I think there is no question this should definitely be a tournament team without question. I mean, if they don't make the postseason, something's gone horribly wrong. Well, I, I was looking at uh, all sorts of stuff today because I, I followed the team a little bit, but it took me last year, but it took me a little bit to to get into them. But obviously, you lose Sam Weatherly, starting pitcher. I think he was on Saturday, right? Because Sharp Friday. started. He was Friday. Sharp was Saturday or Sunday. Um, Strider, who was a spot starter, he was usually Monty. Monty doesn't usually keep the three straight guys. Weatherly obviously was the Friday night guy. Uh, what they is did it a little different last year because they had two guys coming off ACL. So it's a little different the way they did it last year. Who yeah. who are the first of all, you live nowhere near Clemson and you're getting up to the weekend. You're getting up to basketball. You're getting up to <laughs> baseball. I went, I went to um last Tuesday. I knew there was a baseball scrimmage, so I, I was gonna leave my house early enough to go to the baseball scrimmage and the basketball. But it was so cold, man, and the wind was blowing so hard. It was cold where I live, so I knew it was going to be colder there. I live about three hours away. And um, so I didn't go to the whole thing. I caught the tail end, um, it, and I wouldn't have been able to stay any longer out there, man. It was freezing. <laughs> but I'm going to do it again this Friday, man. I just think, it's, it's, I just think it's awesome. Weather permitting, hopefully it's a little warmer. I'm going to do it again this Friday. I'm going to go see what I can at baseball, and then I'm going to go to Georgia Tech game Friday night. So. Well, I see your tweets that say every time I come to the come to the upstate, it's raining. So I'm like, where the heck is he coming from? You know, a lot of the guys are local, live, but you're not. I live in um, I live in Florence County. So oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we were we were joking. The beach. We were we were joking because when we saw that tweet, we're like, "Where does he Where does he live?" Uh, and I was like, "I know it's not Charleston. That's not a Charleston accent, right?" Because <laughs> I, I, I you're from Charleston. No, I used to. I did live there for a little okay. while. I'm from Florence, but I lived in Charleston for a little while. Got it, got it. But we knew it wasn't Charleston. It wasn't <laughs> a Charleston accent. So anyway, Casey, yeah, my questions. My <laughs> short, short-winded question is: who do you, who do you see to be other than outside of David Sharp the weekend starters this year? I think David Sharp's going to be your Friday night guy, no doubt about it. I think on Saturday, I think we're going to be. I'm going to go out on a limb and say Caden Grice, freshman. I like it. I I think he's going to be in the rotation. I'm going to say Saturday right now. I might be wrong about that, but I think he's going to be somewhere in the rotation. Um, And the third guy, I know who it is, and I'm sitting here. Is it Raphael? Raphael? No. You don't think so? Name some more. Um, (laughs) I'm drawing a blank here, man. Maybe Askew. Askew? I think Askew's going to be in the rotation. I think – I'm talking weekend rotation. I think we might see Radfield – Maybe as the midweek guy. Is that it? Because he's coming off ACL without really much of a season last year. Maybe, but ACL. I think, <laughs> I think Grice, Tommy John. Tommy John. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think Grice has just been that good, and I think Askew has just gotten that much better. Um, I've heard that Askew's been pounding the plate 
nothing but strikes pretty much. And um, that's what Monty Lee wants. He wants guys to throw strikes, man. He doesn't want anybody out there walking, guys. He's that got, leads me you know, to – He's a left-handed guy. He's got that herky-jerk delivery, you know. It, yeah, I mean, that, that's that was, two that lefties. Was two left-handed because um, Grice is a lefty too, so that would give him two lefties on the weekend if that's the way it plays out. And at six foot six, you expect a guy that he's going to be a power arm. But everything that I've watched on Caden Grice is he's a little bit of a, as we, as we like to say, a pooslinger. Because he's a lefty. He's thrown 89, 93, I think is what he tops out at. And he's got all sorts of different movement. His changeup is is like tw- like a 12-6 curveball. He's got extreme late movement on that on that uh, changeup. It's going to be cool to see if he, if he can make it because – um, I'm hearing comp- comparisons to Seth Beer as as a freshman. Um, he is um he has been knocking them out of the park. I know Monty Lee said last week that he hit one to the opposite field that left the bat at 111 miles an hour. And that's the <laughs> hardest hit opposite field ball he's ever seen hit in his career. So and then the, and then his wow. next hit back, he hit one out the park at 109 miles an hour. I know. I know. The first day of spring practice, his first two at bats, he knocked him out of the park. I mean, he's he's going to strike. He's going to be one of those guys that strikes out a lot because he he's he's still got a little developing to do as a hitter. But when he hits the ball, it's going to go a long ways, man. When he gets a hold of it, he's going to hit. A, he's going to hit a lot of home runs and he's going to strike out a lot. So it's, it's, you can expect to see him be one of those guys that probably with a lot of strikeouts. I was going to ask if he was a swing and miss kind of guy, but. but so. Monty Monty Lee has had some big high praise for this kid, man. I think he's going to be really good. Really, he he could have been in the um he could have been taken in the draft if he wanted to, but I think he wanted to come play college ball. Even in the five round draft, I think if he really wanted to play pro ball, right, that's where he'd be right now. That was exactly. what I read on him. Yeah, I read he he told uh, scouts yeah. and agents that he wanted to play college baseball, and sometimes you have those kids. Yep. I mean, I'm like you, Jason. I love college baseball. And when I was a student, that was my favorite place to be. Friday afternoons, I would be at that first game. My first game my freshman year was against USF, South Florida, and they lost. And it was Benson, Koch, and Vining on the weekend. So you could imagine what I was watching uh, my freshman year. It was pretty nice, pretty nice um, setup. But the I'm stealing your thunder, Marty. But the uh, the week or the lineup, everything I'm reading is everyone's back. Once again, yeah. small sample size, but what do you feel about this lineup? Hold on, man. I, I got I got that I got that list right here. Let me pull it up, because <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to um blank on any guys. Well, it, it's tough. I had to write them down too because I thought I knew them, but I, I didn't. I missed I missed Elijah I, Henderson. Yeah, I don't. You know, I don't think this is going to be a lineup that scores a ton of runs every game, and it's going to be full of power or anything like that. But this pitching's going to be so good. I don't think they need to score but four or five, six runs a game. And then that, if you do that, this team's going to win a lot of baseball games. But, you know, I, I think you got Kier Meredith at the top of the um, lineup, and and he was on his way to having his best season yet last year. We're talking about a five-tool player who had terrible luck his first two years, oh, yeah. injured. Um, and Elijah Henderson, he'll probably be hitting second. And um, and you got Caden Grice. And Hawkins and Jonathan French behind the plate while Adam Hackenberg's injured. And even when Hackenberg comes back, you know, that those are two big bats. And um you got Sam Hall and Cooper Engel at the bottom of the lineup. And 
hadn't even talked about Dylan Brewer, who was really starting to come on when the season got canceled last year. Um, didn't even mention David Sharp's bat. He'll play first in DH a lot. I mean, they're, Monty Lee's going to have a lot of options in this lineup. He's going to have a lot of different things he can do depending on the opponent pitcher that day. Tedioso, Mikowski. I know Mikowski wasn't hitting well last year, but he's he's come with a lot of uh, a lot of love in in his recruitment. So that he's a long ball hitter too. So, but look at what Vandy has done. Especially we've seen it up close and personal at Doug Kingsmore the last few years. Just pitching, yeah. pitching, and aggressiveness on the base pass. That's pitching. what I'm. That's what I'm reading about. Oh, it's all the arms. I mean, they had every they had arms for days. Yep. It just feels like that might be the recipe. And heck, maybe Monty took a page out of Corbin's book and yeah, said, "This I, is how we're going to be." I think that's what he's been building for since he's been at Clemson. He's been building that pitching staff. Not to say that the cover was bare when he got there, because it wasn't. But there wasn't a lot of depth on the pitching staff. You know, he he had some starters and some you know top end bullpen guys, but behind there wasn't a lot of depth, and that takes time to build, especially in baseball recruiting. This it's different than football. You got to be three, four years ahead. And now he's just in what his fifth, fifth, sixth year now. But it, I think that's this is what he's been building towards the pit, the kind of pitching staff he's got right now. We were starting to see it last year when the season got canceled because I mean that that staff was dominant last year, and I think it's going to be dominant this year, even with Weatherly gone, um, even with the closer Carson Spires gone. I expect Jeffrey Gilbert to take over that role. I don't know if anybody remembers him his freshman yeah. season last year. He's a he's another left-hander. He don't throw it 95 miles an hour, but he throws it where he wants to, and it's hard to hit, man. It's all about location with that kid, and, and he's he's really good, really good. Well, you you answered one of my questions. It was going to be the closer role, and uh, if Gilbert steps in there, I think he'll be really good at that role. It might take maybe some growing pains, but uh, that's not unexpected. My other question is, when I heard Monty Lee last week, uh, he didn't sound – too positive on Hackenberg. Sounded like he was going to be out for a while. Not we've seen some guys miss the first series or two series of season, but just again reading the tea leaves like we've been doing, Jason. Sounded like Hackenberg was going to be out for a little while. You took that the same way I did, and I have heard nothing else about Hackenberg except what Monty Lee said in his presser that day. And I, I just know Clemson doesn't like to talk about injuries a lot. They don't like to give any specifics. The baseball's the same way as the football. Um, it, I, I took it the same way you did. I know he said that he might miss a little bit of the first part of the season, but it would not shock me that if he was out for an extended period of time and, and this job was Jonathan French's for the foreseeable future. Okay. Casey, anything else on baseball? No, I'm just so excited for it to be here. This episode is one of the ones that I was most looking forward to, to have you on and I can't uh, wait for the baseball season either, man. I, it's been a year almost, man. Well, here's I'm ready what we're to gonna, hear the ping of that bat. Here's what we're going to do, Jason. Instead of cutting out the part about Ty Simpson, I'm going to cut out the part about your prediction for the baseball team. Uh, so that's you know much more fair to you than than than, uh, than uh, trying to predict the 18 year old's mindset. Uh, so. Uh, I'm good either way, man. You can cut out. You don't have to cut out anything. I don't care. All right. If we, as we wrap up baseball, one last question for you from John Chancy, uh, who has really good questions, John. We really appreciate it. Uh, question for after baseball: Will the NCAA extend the ban on official visits for recruits? It's been about a year or almost, hasn't it? 
It will have been a year by the time this one ends. That's yeah, it's it's extended till April, I think. And I was surprised they extended it that far. You know, we're playing games in every sport. I don't see why we can't have some. You know, you don't have to open it up the way it was, but there ought to be some way that you can host kids on campus and have some kind of safety protocols in place that that would make this safe for all involved. I think this is this extended dare period i think i got one word to describe it ridiculous <laughs> um, it, it's, it's going on too long <laughs> it's going on too long man if they extend it again i am going to i take that back i'm not going to be shocked because it's the ncaa we're talking about i don't think it should be extended again there, there's got to be a way that you can do it and do it safely and have kids on campus because like i said I, i've talked to cade Klug it twice and both times he's told me that he has not got to shake a coach's hand yet in the recruiting process and that's just something that stuck with me man and that just don't feel right it's got to be it's got to be terrible for for kids in their senior year of high school have been building towards this their entire life right we saw right. your retweet the other day from the kid in california who went viral and got a scholarship offer the next day by the way did he? Uh, I was yeah. wondering about that. I'm glad. I, that's why I retweeted that, man. I, well, it, it was interesting. It, it, it was some small school in Nebraska, but then they they had him on uh, they had him on the news, and it didn't really sound like he was interested in going to Nebraska, <laughs> even though he said any offer, any time, any place, whatever. He said, "Oh yeah, we'll check it out. I'll check it out." So very low key, but that's beside the point. These guys have been working, as he said, his whole entire life. Your senior year comes. And and you can't, you know, be recruited like everybody else has before you, whether that's good or bad. But but uh, man, that must stink. Oh, it's got to be terrible. I mean, and, and then you talk about kids like Will Shipley. I mean, he, he had to choose between enrolling early or playing his senior season in the spring, man. I mean, it, the whole thing just it's it's just terrible all the way around. And they got to open this thing back up, man. It, I mean, it's time. When this one when this one expires, you gotta at least partially. I mean, there's enough smart people in those rooms. They can come up with a safe way to let kids on campus and and watch a game or watch a practice and talk to a coach face to face. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't high school recruits do it? And like like he like he says, man, it's hurting Clemson on the recruiting trail because getting them on campus to see that campus and experience that culture that's something you gotta you gotta be inside of and experience it you can't see it from the outside you you gotta see it from the inside and not being able to sell that program to recruits in that way it's gonna hurt clemson there's just no other way to say it it seems so simple too you know you're allowing how many people in little john right now you say you bring a football recruit in 1800 in little john all right, so you're allowing 1795 and allow five five of those people to be the family of this kid or the recruit and have them on camp. Like, I'm sorry, sorry, the extra five people. You're not going to go today because we're going to, you know, it, it just seems so simple to, to be able to do it. And, uh, heck, they can stay in hotels. They can travel. It just doesn't make any sense. But yeah. let, then again, not a lot of things that the NCAA does make yeah. sense. 
it, it makes no sense, man. I get it why they did it, and I get it why it was in place for a while. But but this last extension, I was a little surprised. And if they do it again, I'm gonna be really, I'm gonna be really surprised if they. Heck, do I'm it in the, the I'm in it. the Northeast, and they're gonna start allowing fans in in stadiums in in New York uh, in February, February 23rd. They're gonna start allowing that. So we're yeah, about as tight as we can be. In stadiums in New York. Then, then that means it's time to open this thing. Exactly. That's <laughs> some kids exactly move travel around, point. man. <laughs> exactly my point, because we're about as tight as they can be. Well, this it's kind of funny. I mean, even you, we're talking about athletes here being recruited, but I mean, that's what sold me, right? I was going to Winthrop until I went to Clemson and was like, well, I'm not going anywhere else. I'm going right here. So it, it applies to athletes. It, it applies to just regular old students. There's something about that campus or something in those hills. Casey Cregan, you too. I'm a kid from New Jersey. I never saw Clemson, heard of Clemson or anything. And then here I am, my dad and I decided to take a trip because I wanted to go south, but I thought Virginia was the end of the map. And I, <laughs> I stepped foot on that campus too, and I was sold. And I know there's a lot of Jersey kids down there, and I heard all about that for my five years there. But, uh, <laughs> man, there's something about that campus. There's something about that place, man. Yeah, I didn't go to school at Clemson, but and I'll never forget my first time going on campus. I mean, I can still – picture it you know i can't remember the name of the street i'm coming down that's walking down that street and turning around that corner man and the first thing you see is the corner of the north stands of death valley man and it's just it's something that i've never forgotten how big that stadium was I, i'd never seen a stadium like that i think i was 12 or 13 years old man and yeah it, it's, it's zoom meetings and all that you know it's good to have all that stuff but there's nothing like being there and experiencing it in person. All right. Jason Priester, allclemson.com. Jason, I know you had uh, a show before this one, and you've stuck, duty, with, man. you've stuck with us for about oh, 50 minutes now, 53 minutes. We sincerely appreciate it, and we're going to keep asking you to come back, man, because you're providing great information. Jason Priester, allclemson.com. Follow him. On Twitter, it's on the bottom of the screen right there. And, of course, we'll tweet it out uh, when we send out the podcast link. Jason, thank you so much for your time. We sincerely appreciate it. Anytime, man. I love the show, man. Y'all keep it up. Thanks, Thank you. All right. Casey, the Beef Cregan, you got a show tomorrow (laughs) night. Speaking of shows, tell the good (laughs) folks about the Chopping Beef. Yeah, Chopping Beef Show records tomorrow night, Thursday night. It's it's going to be a fun episode because we haven't talked about a single thing that we're going to talk about. So I, those are usually the good ones. Um, <laughs> but I, I know one of one of my cohorts, JJ, is a huge uh, Kansas City Chiefs fan, and they lost. So hopefully we'll we'll discuss a little bit about that. But I'm I'm probably thinking that the streaker is probably going to get more airtime tomorrow than than the game. But that's just the chop of beef. We have a good time, man. It's it's three guys at a bar talking to each other, basically. Well, JJ is in Tampa, so for a minute there, I was wondering if he was the streaker. <laughs> you and me both. <laughs> oh, that, that's really, really scary. All right, would you do the, the uh, exit uh, thank yous while yes, I find the exit music? Thanks, Casey. Really, thanks so much to Jason Priester from allclemson.com. He is a fantastic guest, always so willing to come on with us and talk to us. We can't thank him enough. Uh, thanks to everyone in the Facebook group, the Seldom News Reserve, College Football Discussion, even Tom Gladyshevsky, and especially Nelson Wilhite for all his help and support. Everyone on Seldom News Reserve, Sluggo, and Chopping Beef records tomorrow night. Each and every one of you who listens, likes, shares, and 
what comments. We appreciate it. John Chancey, thanks so much again for all your help. Always. On behalf of that guy, Marty Seldom News Reserve Coleman, I am Casey Gregan, the beef. See you the next beef. week. Get your, spurtle, get your spurtle and your Irish potato peel. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week, Case. See you next week. I think that sounds pretty good.